Hello and welcome to a special lockdown edition of Order Order, Mail Plus Radio's politics podcast with me, Simon Walters, assistant editor of the Daily Mail, live miles away from the office. And me, Amanda Patel, columnist for the Daily Mail, miles away from Simon in my house in North London. Coming up, Community Secretary Robert Jenrick has established a reputation for bringing clarity to the government's fight against COVID-19, which is why we asked him to clear up the coronavirus confusion, such as who should and who should not still be going to work. If it's impossible for you to work from home, then you can go to work, but you should go directly to work. And when you're in the workplace, you should follow the Public Health England guidelines. Scotland's former First Minister, Alex Salmond, we ek as he's known north of the border, has been cleared of sexual assault charges. But the end of his court ordeal is just the start of a bloody new battle for control of the Scottish Nationalist Party. Is he now out to topple Nicola Sturgeon and become leader for an incredible third time? There are certain evidence that I would have liked to have seen led in this trial, but for a variety of reasons we were not able to do so. At some point, that information, that facts and that evidence will see the light of day. And which famous rock star, known for rapid eye movements, issued this end-of-the-world COVID-19 warning? There are two big clues there. Find out the answer in our topical tune at the end of the podcast. Act like you're already sick. Act like you may already have the virus and you don't want to be within six feet of anyone else because you could pass it on to them. They pass it on to someone else. They pass it on to two other people. You don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify or leave us a review and email us at any time at orderorder at mailplus.co.uk. He may have been dragged kicking and screaming, but Boris Johnson finally got there. In this fight, we can be in no doubt that each and every one of us is directly enlisted. Each and every one of us is now obliged to join together, to halt the spread of this disease, to protect our NHS and to save many, many thousands of lives. And I know that as they have in the past, so many times, the people of this country will rise to that challenge and we will come through it stronger than ever. We will beat the coronavirus and we will beat it together. And therefore, I urge you at this moment of national emergency to stay at home, protect our NHS and save lives. No prime minister wants to enact measures like this. That's what Boris Johnson told the nation on Monday. There's probably no prime minister in history who would have been more low than Johnson to order this semi-martial law lockdown. Every bone in his freedom-loving body told him not to do it. This is the man who defended the mayor in the Jaws movie, who refused to close the beach to protect bathers. This is the man who's attacked every single health and safety law for decades. But coronavirus is no ordinary health and safety issue. It threatens to kill tens of thousands in the UK, hundreds of thousands in Europe, possibly millions worldwide. From the moment it headed our way, Johnson's had looked for alternatives, anything other than curbing the freedom of every Briton, as he has now done. Only three months ago, he won a landslide election and vowed to lead a liberating people's government. But far from setting the people free, he's now locked them in their lounges, bedrooms and even their sheds. And if they flout Big Brother Boris's COVID-19 diktat, boy, they'll be in trouble. 
It's the kind of thing they might kowtow to in Italy, the land of jackbooted Mussolini, Spain, the land of Franco, or France, the land of Napoleon. But surely not the Britain of Churchill, not the England of Elizabeth I and Henry V, not Boris's Britain. Well, it is now. He tried everything to avoid it, including a madcap plan to achieve herd immunity, which ended after he's told it would kill 250,000. So instead, he tried a kind of voluntary martial law. That's an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. People were asked politely to observe the kind of restrictions they were forced to obey in other countries. But no matter how often and how persuasively the Prime Minister asked Britons not to go down the boozer or grab loo rolls in a demented version of the TV game Supermarket Sweep, it didn't work. His famous powers of seduction won sympathy but no conquest. There was growing clamour to act. World leaders from Peking to Paris urged him to follow their lead. Even Jeremy Hunt, the man Johnson thrashed in the Tory leadership contest, got revenge by telling him he was doing too little too late. And the cabinet were on the brink of revolt. In a withering attack in a national newspaper on Monday, Johnson, it was said, had always wanted to be Churchill, but was now in danger of becoming a Neville Chamberlain. In his statement on Monday, he said he'd review the lockdown in three weeks. We must all hope he's right and that his belated action succeeds. But in his heart, he must fear, as we all do, this is the way we're going to live, not just in the spring, but in the summer too, and perhaps beyond. Amanda, are you as pessimistic? Bring some hope to this conversation. Oh, look, I, 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 far be it for me ever to, um, to quote Donald Trump, but he did say this week that, you know, he's hoping that in parts of America... They'll be out by Easter and the churches will be full again. The stock market um, um, bounced up huge amount um, and his popularity ratings are going through the roof. I hope he's right, Simon. I refuse to give up hope. I really do. We just don't know because this is such a mystery illness. But Bro Boris has been brilliant. And, and I think that he understands quintessentially the British culture. And as you say, we're not the kind of people who've been used to jackboots. We're used to um, a society that takes decisions and our politicians politicians take us with them. Mm. And I think that this piecemeal, you know, um, this piecemeal um, way he's dealt with it, I think it's I, it's made us all feel calmer. Are you imagine if we'd been told two weeks ago overnight if Boris had done that speech and it was immediate lockdown? Mm. Well, I, I, I think that we're going to have to wait and see. In, in three or four months' time, I think the picture is going to be clearer and we'll see. I think there's going to be a reckoning, isn't there? We'll see which countries have done well, whether casualties have been kept down, and which countries haven't been. So I think we need to come back to this in, in a few weeks or months to really um, to, to get a and, proper version. And also, Simon, it must be pretty terrifying for, um, for Boris and the Cabinet because not only do they know that they hold the nation's lifeblood in their hands at the moment, Mm. But they also know, as you say, there's going to be proof as to whether or not our tactics worked or not. And he'll yeah. come out of this as a hero or a zero. And there could well be, um, you know, a challenge to the government if it all goes wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I noticed that MPs are taking uh, precautions now that the Commons is, is going to get up early. Uh, the Conservative MP, Steve Baker, posted a photograph of the little package of things he's taking away from his Commons office. And there was the Erskine main rule book and a couple of other great weighty tomes. And amongst it all, there was a loo roll. And then oh. some wisecracker on social media said, hey, mate, I'll give you a tenner for that. <laughs> OK, now I have... 
Well, I think I've discovered the most interesting fact about loo rolls. Um, in Germany, they've done, done a survey, right? And they've worked mm -hmm. out that the average person should, with a normal big pack of 10 loo rolls, they mm -hmm. should last one person 53 days. So mm -hmm. that means one roll should last us 5.3 days each. Mm -hmm. Did you know that, Simon? I, I did know that, but I but I, I have to get I have to get extras on a Friday night when I when I go to my local curry house for a meat madras. <laughs> Enough. Communities Secretary Robert Jenrick has been in all the Cobra meetings to discuss help for workers, tenants, house owners, and bosses in the fight against COVID nineteen. But when I spoke to him. He wasn't gunning for coronavirus. He was gunning for London Mayor Sadiq Khan. Well, the message that we're sending out overall is that we need to stay home and in doing so, protect the NHS. And that's the best way to save lives. In terms of going to work, we've said that if you can work from home, you must do so. And you should really strain every sinew to find ways of doing that. And many, many people are. If it's impossible for you to work from home, then you can go to work, but you should go directly to work. And when you're in the workplace, you should follow the Public Health England guidelines. Like for example, staying two meters away from your other colleagues and co-workers. If you do that, then we can try to keep people safe, whilst also ensuring that essential parts of the economy can keep moving as much as possible. I mean, is that really practical for people like construction workers who are sort of handling the same tools and, you know, working on the same jobs together in many ways? Well, it won't be practical for all occupations. Uh, there are uh, scenarios in construction, for example, where you can do that. And there are Public Health England guidelines and the industry have produced more detailed guidance as to how you can manage scenarios correctly, staying apart, not having uh, workers' canteens, uh, ensuring that uh, products and tools are properly sanitised, having sanitizer, hand sanitizer available for workers to make use of, and many more complex and detailed guidelines than that. But look, employers need to show good judgment to consider whether it's possible to continue operating in light of coronavirus and the Public Health England guidelines, as they have to with respect to many other health and safety. I mean, they haven't all done the work. Well, have you, you've got one or two people like Mike Ashley of Sports Direct um, uh, looking rather like rogue employees, haven't you? Uh, well, I was pleased that he belatedly came to the conclusion that he should close his shops. We have set out detailed guidance, and in fact, I've updated it recently as to which businesses and uh, non-essential retail must now close and that certainly includes shops like Sports Direct and I hope that that's now clear. There's very little evidence of retailers failing to comply uh, with the, um, the, the the decision of the Prime Minister to close those stores. Most people are taking this, you know, taking a very responsible line on this and bringing those pubs, restaurants and non-essential retail to a close to protect the public. Yeah. We hear a lot about joined up government. There's not been much joined up government between um, Downing Street and London City Hall has there where 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 there's been complete pandemonium on, on the tubes. The tube service was reduced and so the reduced numbers of workers are still crammed on. They're like sardines. That can't go on. Well, we are we are working with the Mayor of London. I've been in contact with him 
almost every day uh, in the last week, and he's been attending COBRA meetings where they relate to London. But look, this is a decision for the mayor. Uh, he needs to consider how many tubes should, trains should be running. My I own, mean, in, in short, my well, own in, view. In, in short, you're telling you're telling him to put more tubes on abs- and to do it straight away. Absolutely. Of course, there are staff pressures with TfL um, and London Underground, as there are in any other uh, walk of life. However, it is possible to run more trains at that crucial peak hour or two of the day. And I think that's really important because people will need to go to work, uh, whether that's in the health and social care sector or in other uh, important parts of the economy in London in the coming weeks. And they must not be catching tube trains cheek by jowl with other workers I'm afraid this is within the power of the Mayor of London to resolve. He could put more trains on, and I really urge him to do so. Well, that's a pretty clear signal to to, to deep calm there. And there has been a slight feeling the government's been behind the curve right from the outset of of this crisis. I mean, for example, um, I'm told that that on Sunday, as late as Sunday, you were sending begging letters to companies asking for for more ventilators. Aren't you worried that you've actually done too little too late in this situation? No, I don't think that's fair. Uh, From the outset of the crisis, um, several weeks ago, we set out all of the steps that were available to us in our action plan. And that was the measures that we see in other countries around the world and more. And we said that we would take expert medical and scientific advice and deploy each of those interventions at the right time. Well, you have, Robert, but you've, but you've changed. You've changed course several times. At the at the at the outset, there was talk of 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 uh, allowing herd immunity, but that seemed to have changed dramatically when the prime minister was warned that a uh, quarter of a million people were going to die, and it looked like a U-turn. No, that's that has never been our policy. Our policy throughout has been to protect life, which is what you'd expect of the government. Of course, it's a fast-moving situation, and in fact, medical opinion can change as well. But we're taking the best scientific and medical advice and implementing the measures that we need to at the right time. Different countries are on different courses, and as it's the nature of the virus that the measures that we take, we'll only see how effective they are uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So we won't be able to see um, how effective Uh, For example, uh, the closure of schools, self-isolation, the decision to close non-essential retail um, have been for a couple of weeks. But we believe we're taking all of the steps we need to at the right time for this country. Well, Amanda, um, Robert Jenrick didn't leave much doubt about what he thinks of Sadiq Khan, did he? Well, Simon, it it is impossible to explain. When you see those pictures of people on the tube, that's the the London mayor cancelled so many of the tubes. I mean, what was he thinking? You know, what they haven't done is, you know, part of the problem is a lot of the construction workers going in, Mm. but they have shifts to go to. They can't just waltz in at lunchtime. Mm. And he should have known that. He doesn't even know his own city. Mm. And what about people going to work? Have you seen people going to work around you? Are the the commuters acting as normally? Are they staying at home? What are they doing? With every day that goes by, the streets become more and more deserted. Mm. And um, I, I live very close to a huge heath in Hampstead mm. and yesterday there it, there was it, it was like a, a wintry day you know with rain if you mm. can imagine very few yeah. people a few idiots sitting on benches together but it's just it's almost like after Boris's warning this week the city, the streets have just emptied Catherine McLeod is a seasoned Scottish political pundit and worked for the former Chancellor and Scotsman Alistair Darling in the Labour government
I asked Catherine whether she thinks that after Salmond's court acquittal on sex charges, that he'll now try to bring down Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, and who will win? Well, it certainly was extraordinary. I think now, though, it will uh, throw up more questions than it ever answered. I think there's questions about what's going on in the SNP. They seem to be at loggerheads. I think there's questions about the Scottish Civil Service. And there's questions about the Prosecution Service in Scotland. Why on earth did such a high-profile case like this go ahead when it seems to be, I wasn't in court, that the evidence was pretty flimsy? I mean, it's clear that, that, that behind all this, there's still a sort of uh, a, a simmering feud between the Nicola Sturgeon faction in the SNP and the Alex Salmond faction. Do you think it's really possible that Salmond, Salmond fancies a third crack at being leader? Well, I don't know. I'm not close to Alex Salmond. But the irony of this is that Nicola Sturgeon was Alex Salmond's prodigy. He supported all throughout her political life. And now she's in the top job and she seems to have distanced herself very far from him. He is in the camp or leading the camp that is with people that are much more militant in a political sense in the SNP who think that Nicola Sturgeon is missing the boat, that she's much more concerned with the cars and the bubbles of power than she is in achieving independence. So he will want to come back somehow. I don't know that he'll want to come back as leader. There's very capable people around him and he will be seen as, he'll be want to see uh, be seen as more than a bit player. He will be a big player, but in what role, I'm not quite sure. And do you think it's really possible that the, that the Salmon faction are, are actually flirting with the idea of suggesting that Scotland um, should go down the so-called the Catalan route. Uh, Catalonia in Spain, of course, they held an illegal referendum, tried to break away, and their leaders ended up in jail. Is that a, is that a remote possibility? I think there are a lot of people in the SNP um, who want Scotland to break away from the United Kingdom. That is why they're in the SNP. There are people that, if the SNP didn't exist, would be in the Labour Party or the Tory Party or even the Lib Dems. But they're not in these parties because they want Scotland to be separate. And that is their priority. They're not interested in the... (laughs) in trying to sort of be pragmatic and sort of think about how they're going to coexist happily in the union. They want to break up the union. That's why they're there. Do do you think this kind of vicious infighting in the SNP is partly a byproduct of them simply being too dominant in Scottish politics? Well, I do think, first of all, there is an ideological divide that Nicola Sturgeon appears to be now a gradualist. The Joanna Cherries of this world, who are clever and competent, want to go for the breakup. They think that they can capitalise on disillusionment with the Conservative Party and the Labour Party in Scotland. So I think we should take that as a given. I think there is also a problem in Scotland because there's a democratic democratic deficit. The Labour Party are hopeless. The SM, the Tories are not so good now that Ruth Davidson has left the scene or is leaving the scene. So I do think there is a problem. And I think that, you know, time of memorial shows that when parties aren't challenged, they turn in on themselves. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, if this carries on like this, who's your money on? Who will think, who do you think will emerge on top at the end of this? Sturgeon or, or or a resurrected Salmond? I would put my money on a, I don't know if it'll be Salmond, 
completely resurrected. But I think the Joanna Cherry, Alex Salmon faction would be very hard to beat because they will have their finger on the pulse of the romantics and the committed um, nationalists in Scotland. And, and and there's a lot of there's always been a lot of romantics in Scotland, Catherine, hasn't there? Bonnie Prince Charlie, Robert the Bruce, <laughs> all all the way through. Is, is Salmond in that vein? Well, that's the way he casts himself, I suppose. I don't think so. Robert the Bruce was from Essex. I think that's a detail that's worth <laughs> noting. So, Amanda, who would you back in a fight between Salmond and Sturgeon, these two Scots fishes? Two Scots fishes. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, it'll be a really bloody battle don't you think oh, because I think it's going to be terrific because they're both incredible um incredibly seasoned politicians yes. they're both tough as nails and they've got that kind of scottish grit where you you just keep fighting until you pounded the other person into the ground um I, if, if i had to i would put my money on salmon well let's hear what alex salmon had to say just after his acquittal as many of you know there are certain evidence that I would have liked to have seen led in this trial but for a variety of reasons we were not able to do so at some point that information, that facts and that evidence will see the light of day but it won't be this day and it won't be this day for a very good reason and that is whatever nightmare I've been in over these last two years it is as of nothing compared to the nightmare that every single one of us is currently living through people are dying Many more are going to die. What we are doing this now, and I know you've got a job to do, it is not safe. I know it's your job, but it ain't safe. Uh, and my strong, strong advice to you is to go home, those who can are able to take care of your families, and God help us all. Mm. I mean, because it seems that the, the background, at least to this court case, is some vicious fallout between Salmon, Salmon and Sturgeon. And, and it's pretty clear now, now, now that he's been uh, acquitted, um, Salmon wants back. And it is remarkable when you think that um, Salmon's been leader of that party twice since 1990 and is now attempting a third comeback. And of course, the other uh, intriguing thing is there is talk that if Salmond and his people were to regain control of the party, they would take a much more aggressive line on independence and may even try to do what the Catalans did in Spain, have an illegal referendum breakaway. And, of course, we all know how that ended. Well, Husk, I mean, it's quite frightening that you've got such disruption. I think this is probably the biggest issue at the moment is um, um, Salmond's clearly going for blood. Um, and this is a time when you've got um, you've got Nicola Sturgeon on the TV talking to the Scots all the time, trying to keep calm. The last thing she needs is to be having to protect her back um, from his, you know, his movement to try and get rid of her. But some of the other thing I was thinking, just um, watching Nicola Sturgeon, who's been very assured over all of this, um, is over the over the virus, um, is that we haven't had all these reassuring voices we've had from the, from the um, the government. We've not had a single woman's voice. Have you noticed that? You're right. I had not. I confess. You're absolutely right. Well, not uh, a who? single woman. We pretty Patel is all but disappeared. But um, yes. that's probably over the um, over the bullying scandal. Yes. Yes. Um, Penny Morden would be incredibly reassuring. Yeah. 
Um, you know, you've got um, Theresa Coffey. I mean, you know, why, well, why, not, why not, not Nadine? I mean, why not Nadine Doris? Nadine's a health minister. She was the first um, significant politician to go down with it. I mean, she. I was talking to her this week. She, she's back at work. She does yeah, she sound pretty rough. Yeah, she's on the front benches. Yeah. yeah, she's back at work. I would get, you're dead right. Well, there, there's Memo to Boris. Memo to please, Boris. We don't often say this to Boris. Memo to Boris, get the women out. Absolutely. Okay, Simon, it's your favourite bit. What is your topical tune for this week? Well, listeners may recall that at the beginning of the programme, we played a short clip from the famous rock star on how to avoid coronavirus. That rock star was, of course, Michael Stipe of REM. And the clue in our question, rapid eye movement, of course, <laughs> that is where REM get their name from. And the song of the week is REM's It's the End of the World as We Know It. And, of course, the chorus finishes, I had some time alone and I feel fine. And let's hope that's how our time alone ends as well. Oh, I'm missing you, Simon. Great choice. That's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, you'll be able to listen back to this and all our other Mail Plus radio podcasts at mailplus.co.uk or via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So join us again next week for more political chat. But for now, that's all from me, Simon Walters. And from me, Amanda Platell. Oh, one, two, three. Good Goodbye. <laughs> Amanda, <laughs> your timing is hopeless. I need you conducting me, Simon. Thank you.